Welcome to Everyday Wellness. I'm Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my colleague, Cynthia Thurlow. I'm a nurse practitioner, and we are both super passionate about food, here to educate, inspire, and advocate for you for your best health. Hey, hey, wanted to come to you today and talk to you about some of the things that Kelly and I are really loving these days. And one of them are the Dry Farm Wines. And I'm not sure how much you know about this company, but what really makes them different and unique is that they are sourcing wines from organic vineyards where there are low to no sugar or carbs. And interestingly enough, most modern wines have more sugar than a liter of soda. Scary, right? They're lower in alcohol, they're lower in sulfites, and sulfites are kind of those things that can cause a lot of uh, symptoms. You know, sometimes people will get headaches and histamine responses, etc. They are one of our sponsors for our podcast, and we'd love for you to take advantage of trying out some of their wines. They have lots of options. I love their rosés, but you can go to www.dryfarmwines.com backslash Cynthia Thurlow and you can check out what they have there and try some things out and definitely let us know what you think. Hey, good morning. Kelly and I today are going to talk about one of the most, what I think is one of the more controversial topics that seems to be coming up in the kind of nutrition space. And this is the Impossible Burger. And I've been tweeting about it. I've been talking about it quite a bit on social media and and obviously there are a variety of opinions, but Kelly and I are pretty unified in our feeling about this recently trending food substance. Food so, substance. I like that. Yeah. It's a food-like substance. And let me, let me be clear. If you're a vegetarian, I think it's totally cool you're a vegetarian. But if you eat meat, I don't know why you would choose to eat this. So let's kind of dive right in. I know, you know, Kelly is always super uber prepared and of course <laughs> has given me a very nice synopsis from the... Uh, manufacturer's website about the Impossible Burger, but let's talk about the fact that there are a lot of food-like substances that people are consuming with the mindset that they are healthy. And so let's talk a little bit about what isn't healthy, and then we'll dive into what is the Impossible Burger. Okay. So what isn't healthy? Well, just in general, we know that we want to put foods in our body that are real, that are whole, that are as close to their purest form as possible. Like that's the ideal, right? Do we all hit that 100% of the time? No, neither you nor I do. And we are well-informed on these things. So I think that is the goal. And so when we think about those things that we don't want to put in our body, we don't want to put chemicals. We don't want to put substances that are toxic to our body or toxins that our body is going to hold on to. We don't want to put things into our body that are going to cause inflammation, right? What about Cynthia? I think it's also really critical that we listen to how particular foods make our body feel. You know, I'm I'm always kind of riffing Mm -hmm. on how, how is your sleep? How is your energy? How are your food cravings? Which to me kind of typify and identify whether or not we are fueling our bodies properly. And so I think the farther we get away from foods in their natural state, the more likely we are to create imbalances in the body. And we know very, we, and interestingly enough, we're gonna be interviewing someone that's a foremount expert on neurotransmitters in our gut, mm-hmm. but we know that the food that we eat impacts our mood. 
It impacts our ability to fight infections. It impacts our ability to make healthy hormones. And so, especially for women as they're, you know, aging gracefully, aging in reverse, I like to think, uh, we have to be really, really mindful of our food choices. And it's not to suggest that Kelly and I don't enjoy fun foods, but 80% of the time, 85% of the time we are eating foods in their natural state or as close to what they resembled when they were uh, slaughtered or picked or you know put together in our homes. Um, but what's interesting to me is you know, there, there's, a, there's a great debate over alternatives to beef and, there, and, and we're not gonna talk about climate change in this, this podcast and we're not gonna dump into the beef versus non-beef debate. Mm -hmm. But I think that those kinds of conversations have encouraged the processed food industry to create food-like substances that are plant-based for people either who are concerned about, you know, the net impact of consuming animals and or are vegetarians or vegans. And so Impossible Burger, I believe, was started with good intentions. Mm -hmm. uh, but certainly, you know, as I have been asked questions, Kelly has been asked questions, and we've had people writing in asking us questions about the Impossible Burger. Um, you know, the food manufacturers are trying to create a product that uh, is akin to looking and tasting more like meat. And so you can imagine that's not an easy thing to do when you're not actually <laughs> using animal products. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about what the Impossible Burger is. Yes, let's do that. So all of this information was available on the Impossible Burger website. And they, they actually have quite a bit of information. They seem pretty forthcoming with regard to why they started this and what ingredients are included. So they indicate that we've been eating meat since we lived in caves. And as many of you know, this is sort of the premise of the paleo movement, the paleo diet, going back to eating what our ancestors ate. However, they say that unlike eating burgers, eating meat from animals, they're making this meat substance from plants so that they don't have to use animals again. So that's really where they're coming from, creating this meat-like substance so that it can be enjoyed at barbecues, fast food type events, hot dogs, that sort of thing, but not using real meat. Instead, they say that it is made from proteins, flavors, fats, and binders. So that they say, they say that's like almost every other burger you've eaten in your life. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I eat a burger, it's pretty much the burger and some salt and pepper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's typically in our house, it's grass fed beef. And lately we've been mixing in some bison mm. and seasoning. And that's, you know, there's no binders. Uh, the fats are if people in our house choose to put avocado on it or, mm -hmm. you know, cheese or things like that but uh, no binders that I'm aware of. Maybe when we go out to eat meals, there might be restaurants that have binders, but mm -hmm. you know, this, this strangely kind of harkens to this. It, it's again, it's that meat versus planet movement. And mm -hmm. I would argue that um, you know, there's not a shortage of meat. There, there's a shortage of people using common sense to recognize that you know, if you don't eat meat, I can respect that, but mm -hmm. Why do you have to create a burger that looks like a burger and, you know, has things like beet in it that will make it look like blood? Um, I know right. that the Impossible Burger, there's the Beyond Burger. The Beyond Burger, I think, is the one that has 
beat in it to make it look fleshy, mm-hmm. which I find fascinating. So yeah, it, it's it's an attempt by the food manufacturers to really identify ways to capitalize on this plant-based food movement. Yeah. My feeling. Yeah. Yep. I agree. And so the impossible burger uses heme, which they say gives it a craveable taste. So this heme is supposed to be that red kind of blood taste that gives meat a meaty taste. And they create this using genetic engineering. So that's a whole nother podcast topic in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah. But so they say that to create this heme, they use DNA from soy plants and insert that into a genetically engineered yeast and then ferment the yeast similar to the way that they would ferment beer to produce this heme, which is kind of this red substance that gives this uh, food patty uh, burger-like look. And so I think, you know, really what Cynthia and I are saying is if you're, if you're a vegetarian, cool, we respect that. I get it. But we just want to make you aware of what it is that you're putting in your body. So the primary ingredient in this burger, like, like some other meat-like substances, is soy. And in addition to soy, there are a lot of other forms of, of just straight soy protein concentrate. So the soy protein concentrate is the first ingredient, the main ingredient. And then they have an, a bunch of other extracts of soy that are mixed in as well with some vitamins and some other words that I can't pronounce all that well. well I think, I think the, and not to interrupt you, I think yeah. that the key is, you know, Kelly and I have spoken very openly about what our greatest concerns are about soy. And so let's talk about Mm -hmm. soy for a minute. You know, it's, it's sad, but it is one of the most genetically modified food substances. It is proliferative in the processed food industry. We know that it can be highly inflammatory and let's separate uh, processed soy from fermented soy. People choose Mm -hmm. to consume miso or tempeh that's different but every other form of soy that is in the processed food industry we know is inflammatory, it's highly processed. And you know, to start off, that soy is the first ingredient in this burger. And then it starts, and then it goes to coconut oil, which I think is really trendy. I think they're trying to um Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs 
in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water and you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Perhaps, you know, it's kind of like the smoke and mirrors effect. Like there's an illusion, like if there's coconut oil in it, it must be healthy. Right. Uh, but this is a great example of a good oil being used in a, in a bad way. And then the next ingredient is sunflower oil, which sounds Mm -hmm. benign, but that's a seed oil and seed oils we know are, um, again, highly inflammatory, generally rancid by the time they come to market. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize in the United States, people consume an imbalanced ratio of omega threes to omega sixes, meaning most of the products in the processed food industry are omega-6 rich, you know, the seed oils being a great example. And so we're not getting enough good healthy fats, you know, like the fish oils and, and things like that from our fatty fishes, we're just getting a lot of omega-6s. And so we know that these kinds of oils are, are very inflammatory. They tend to, you know, provoke or evoke 
quite a bit of symptoms, you know, when people are complaining about pains and aches and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, can definitely create an imbalance and in inflammation in the body. But I'm going to turn this back to Kelly. That was my little, I needed to take that soy <laughs> rant. I felt very impassioned to do so. No, that's important. And I think we, you know, we also know that in addition to causing physical issues, hormone disruption, the inflammation you mentioned, it also can cause issues with mood and mental health. So we know that inflammation causes depression. I mean, that, that research is out there. It's not even a question anymore. And including a lot of additives into your body can also increase anxiety. In fact, it can show up in kids as ADHD sometimes when we, when we add all of these different things and not saying that this burger does that, but just saying that something to keep in mind that mm-hmm. you just to be conscious of what you're putting in your body. So, I mean, I get that you might want to try this. It'd be a cool thing to check out, but I, I also want to talk about what would be some other kind of healthier alternatives to having a burger. If you, if you didn't want to consume meat, what could you do? What, what are things that you have in mind? Well, I start thinking about, you know, complete plant-based proteins like quinoa or, mm-hmm. you know, tossing hemp seeds on a salad or into a smoothie. I mean, there are absolutely whole food plant-based proteins that don't require this degree of processing and are much healthier. I use quinoa as a great example. I mean, that's actually a seed, although it kind of gets stuck in the grain category and it's become quite popular, but it's a nice carbohydrate if you tolerate, you know, um, grains and, and seeds. It's a great option. Uh, I know that there are absolutely recipes that are out there where you can make quinoa burgers. I mean, it requires a little more effort because you have to put it together. Same thing with hemp seeds. I mean, I am not vegetarian and I will throw hemp seeds on salads um, and into things that I'm consuming just because I know they're really healthy. Again, it also gives you that proper omega-6, omega-3 ratio when you're consuming things like that. Those are probably the two that I recommend the most. Uh, to clients that, you know, either want to have incorporate a little more plant-based protein into their lives. And, you know, here's the other thing. Uh, I, you know, since my hospitalization, I I just don't tolerate as many vegetables as I used to. So I want to be very transparent about that. So sometimes people don't digest some vegetables as easily and as readily as others. And they turn to meat sources for, for digestive purposes. They find it's a lot easier to eat, to digest a, a, a grass-fed beef burger than it is to digest, you know, um, a huge plant-based meal. And really, again, it goes back to hearkening to listening to your body. You know, Mm -hmm. what makes your body feel good? If you were to eat an impossible burger or a beyond burger and you don't feel well, well, that's an indication that those ingredients didn't work well for your body. So really remaining attuned and, and, you know, Kelly kind of touching back on the plant-based proteins, what are some of the ones that you enjoy incorporating, you know, into your family's existence or with your patients? Yeah, I definitely use um, hemp seeds in my smoothies. Um, And then I go back and forth with tolerating quinoa. Sometimes I feel like I can, and sometimes I feel like it gives me a bit of a reaction, but my family loves it. So I, I recently took a course in nutrition for mental health and realized just how much protein quinoa has mm-hmm. compared to things like oats or rice, which you might substitute in. But in fact, it's a very different thing. It has way more protein. And so we, we have a couple recipes that are like our go-tos for quinoa salads, and I try to incorporate those as much as possible um, in place of rice on a, on a fairly regular basis. So those are pr- probably the two, the biggest ones. And I think that, you know, if someone's going for like that 
burgery sensation or wanting something meaty, we have marinated portobello mushrooms before yeah. and grilled those. And, you know, that's pretty good. It's, I think anytime you're trying to substitute something, you need to remember that it is a substitute, right? It's not going to taste exactly like the food that you're trying to replace. So if you go in with that mindset, mm -hmm. I think you're going to enjoy whatever food you're putting together better. If it's making a veggie burger with quinoa from scratch, or if it's marinating a portobello mushroom and throwing that on the grill, if you go into it expecting it to taste like a burger, you're going to think it sucks. But if you go in expecting that it's going to taste like whatever it is, I think you're going to have more enjoyment. I think that's a really good point. You know, it always goes back to mindset as being really critical. And I forgot about portobello mushrooms. I do like them. And what I find interesting is, you know, for myself personally, along my own health journey. So last year, I strongly suspected I didn't tolerate grains at all. And rice in particular, because anytime I consume rice, it didn't matter the quantity, it would dysregulate my blood sugar. And so I'm, I'm working with a new practitioner. And one of the things she really encouraged me to try after doing a lot of testing was to try quinoa again, which I'm mm -hmm. doing fine with. I don't eat it Great. very often, but I can eat up to a cup, which is surprising. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that, that's interesting is she encouraged me to try a little bit of rice and the whole rice thing started all over again. So mm -hmm. I love to encourage anyone to try things like quinoa over rice, because like you mentioned, much more protein dense, tends to be less net impact on you know, our, our blood sugar, which is really critical. And I was listening to a really interesting podcast yesterday, ironically, with Seam Ladd, who's actually going to be coming on mm. our podcast next month. Uh, he was on Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey, and he was talking about the use of berberine, which is an herb, Anytime he has a, like a higher carb meal. And so I thought that was really interesting. You know, that little tidbit of, you know, oftentimes when we, when we lean more towards a plant-based diet, we're consuming a lot more carbs to get full yeah. and his way of addressing, you know, blood sugar, uh, when you're having a higher carb meal is to take a berberine. So I may try that next time I have a, a load of quinoa to see how I do with that. Oh, that's cool. So one of the things you mentioned was kind of checking in with your body to see what the reaction was. And I think maybe it'd be useful to talk a little bit more about that so we can give people some pretty strong indicators of what they should be looking for yeah. if they eat a food and they want to check in and see how it's making them feel. Yeah. So one of the first things immediately for me would be, um, first of all, is there any GI upset? Mm -hmm. Are they getting stomach cramps? Are they feeling bloated pretty immediately after they're eating the food? And then also thinking about uh, a little bit later inflammation, you know, are their mm -hmm. fingers swelling up or are they waking up the next day feeling inflamed? Um, and, you know, at a more kind of sensitivity, potentially allergy level, like, is there anything going on with their mouth? Is their mouth tingling? Are they getting rashes? Are they breaking out? That sort of thing. So what are some, and your blood sugar too. So are you feeling energized immediately followed by a crash? Are you just crashing? Are you just feeling very fatigued after eating kind of that thanks post Thanksgiving meal um, yeah, nap time feeling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or for some people, you know, that afternoon slump, perhaps if they've had a really carb heavy mm -hmm. lunch and they're not, their bodies really can't handle that. What are some other signs that you look for and, and talk to your clients about? Well, I think, I think the energy piece is really critical. I would say, you know, the food and mood piece, are you feeling anxious? You know, sometimes when people consume foods that don't agree with their body, they start feeling anxious, they'll get palpitations, you know, they feel like their heart is racing, um, the blood sugar piece, which can manifest as hot flashes if women are in perimenopause or menopause, 
Um, and then sleep. I feel like sleep is really, really critical. Uh, I find that if people are not putting the right combinations of foods together, they sometimes won't sleep properly. They either have trouble falling asleep or they feel wired or, you know, and that could be related to a lot of different reasons, but they may not sleep restfully through the evening if they're, you know, consuming, um, you know, alcohol or uh, if they're having something sugary right before bed. So there's definitely things to be a detective about. And, and so I name, I namely will focus on energy, mood, and sleep. And, and those three things, if they're all in check, generally people are doing well. They're generally not looking for our assistance. But the majority of the population is having issues with those things. So really thinking about how you fuel your body for exercise, uh, or if you if you do that fasting, you know, really just thinking critically about the connection with your body and, and how you're feeling. And, and I find that many many people are kind of conditioned to just eat really quickly and then they're on the go. And so mm -hmm. they they have this complete disconnect with the mind body experience and it's really an important relationship and an acknowledgement to spend time really, you know, thinking. I mean, it's really about all back to thinking, critically thinking about how do you feel? It doesn't have to be complicated. And that's, that's the point Kelly and I are trying to make is that we're trying to give you tools so that you can, you know, live your best life and find foods that nourish your body or not. Um, hopefully more of the former and not the latter, but, you know, kind of tying back in with, you know, the Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger, any of those faux burgers that are out there, really being educated about what these ingredients are. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. At some point, we've all been sold a big 
fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk free. They have a 365 day full money back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. How they can impact your body in positive or negative ways. I do want to touch on one ingredient that's in here. It's really sneaky. Instead of saying sugar, Mm-hmm. It says cultured dextrose. Ooh. And dextrose is another name for sugar. So that let's talk about sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about why they would put sugar mm-hmm. into a burger, mm-hmm. right? Why would they do that? To increase the palatability, to increase your desire to want more of it, to hit the reward system in your brain so that your dopamine gets a bit of a spike and it feels good. And so you're going to then remember that feeling when you're eating this food product and want more of it um, so that you're going to potentially remain hungry longer because it might spike your blood sugar and then cause it to crash and then want crave. it forces you to crave more of that to level out your blood sugar. What else? Oh, and they, it harkens back to the bliss point. I know we've talked about that book, uh, Salt, Sugar, Fat, but it's mm-hmm. a book that, another book that like changed my life and talks about that bliss point. The processed food industry folk slash scientists, they design these things to be as addictive as possible. So granted, it's not the second or third ingredient, but it's fairly high up there. So mm-hmm. just acknowledging that they want the impossible burger to be the burger you're craving as opposed to other options that are available. So definitely something to kind of keep in mind. Processed food industry is focused solely on profits. They're not thinking about what's healthy for you. That's, it's up to you to be, you know, be the detective and do the digging and figure out what serves you or doesn't serve you and your family. Right. And I've been doing a lot of reading and listening to podcasts talking about the environment and how the environment really plays a role in our food choices. And I think that we've both known this and we talked to our clients about it, but I didn't realize just how deeply it gets entrenched, like just driving by fast food restaurants and smelling the smells that they purposefully pump into the air has an effect on you at a level below your conscious awareness to make you want 
these things. Like that's why there are billboards and that's why there are commercials, right? You don't suddenly create Fruit Loops one day after not after seeing and not seeing a commercial. I mean, seeing a commercial really makes you want this type of food. So I think that because foods like the Impossible Burger are out there, we need to be aware of that, but we also need to recognize that we still have a choice. Mm -hmm. Just because that's in our environment doesn't mean it's something that we have to consume. Like just when you go into Costco or Target, they're going to put the super palatable foods Mm -hmm. up front and at eye level so you can see them. That's the environment influencing your purchases. So like with so many other things in health and in life, just having that awareness that those things exist in the environment can help you to make more informed choices. Yeah. I mean, the the marketing tactics are downright deplorable, quite honestly. You know, they, they make you know, the foods with all the excitotoxins and all the artificial colors. I mean, they're in bright boxes and they Mm -hmm. do it so that oftentimes in stores, I don't know if you've noticed this, the healthy stuff, even if it's like a healthier cereal or a healthier oatmeal, if you will, those are always higher. (laughs) The stuff that's eye level, even for children is bright and vibrant to attract attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they do that in nature, but that's very different, you know, Um, or they're looking for a mate. So obviously not the same thing, but I think it's really critical to be as informed as you can be so that you will, you know, walk away, you know, being better for it. And, and obviously I want to be very upfront and say that, you know, I'm a car, I'm, I'm not a carnivore. I eat meat. I'm not a carnivore. That's all that I eat, but that wouldn't satiate me. Something like this would not satiate me. And, and, you know, the natural, you know, saturated fats that are in most animal meat, are the things that keep us satiated. And that's another kind of critical piece. Like they added coconut oil and sunflower oil into this product, but probably not in enough of an amount that's going to make it as satiating as the real thing. Yeah, that's so true. I was just looking up the nutritional information to see how much protein was in it. I didn't, I didn't know that offhand, um, but I would guess obviously you're getting the protein from the soy and not really much else. Absolutely. So probably, you know, it's soy protein isolate, soy protein concentrate. Um, You know, they've got some, they've got vitamin E in it and a few of the B and six, you know, C vitamins. So, you know, they're, they're trying to Mm -hmm. make a product that. Yeah. So I just found it and it actually has quite a bit of protein. So it has 240 calories, has 19 grams of protein, um, 14 grams of fat, eight of which are saturated and Mm -hmm. nine grams of carbs. Okay. Yeah. And so you think about it, like the average burger is probably 30 or 40 grams of protein. So it's, I mean, it's, it's better than, well, I don't want to say it's better than, I would say, you know, you're, you're always better off making your own uh, if you're going to do plant-based protein mm-hmm. or eating the real thing. This would not yep. get the everyday wellness stamp of approval by any, by any means. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. And I think that that's one thing that we want to come back to, like it, just being aware and making a conscious choice. If you want to try it for fun, that's your choice, but also know that this is probably not something that you want to have in your diet on a regular basis, whether you eat meat or you don't. It's We can find healthier options with similar or better nutritional profiles. Absolutely. And I would love as listeners, first and foremost, I would love if you left us a review. We're getting lots and lots of emails. People are really happy with the podcast, but also if there are things you want us to investigate, let us know. 
because this was actually prompted by many listeners wanting to get our input on these plant-based burgers. Yes, I agree. And I also think that if you've tried the Impossible Burger, uh, we would love to hear from you. So send us a message. Let us know if you liked it, if you had any sort of negative or positive reactions after eating it. We would love to hear. Thanks so much for listening. If you have questions or would like us to discuss a certain topic, please feel free to email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can find out more about Kelly at kellydonahuephd.com and more about Cynthia at cynthiatherlow.com. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFOS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.